welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's word. Hello there, friends. How's everybody doing out in podcast land? Welcome to the show. Isn't it fun being constructive here at the Constructionist Podcast, where we're always trying to build you up in the ways of the Lord and understanding of Scripture? And today, we want to talk about, in a general sense, the anatomy of the soul. So it's a deep subject, I guess, in one sense, the anatomy of the soul, kind of breaking it down and understanding where we come from uh, and how we're made up, what's wrong with us, and and also how to get right with us. Uh, So it's a big topic, actually. And there's a primary verse in Scripture, actually probably two primary verses, but one in particular that we want to look at is Genesis 2, verse 7. Now, here it says that the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Now, some versions say creature or some versions say being, a living soul, a living creature, a living being. The literal Hebrew on that one is nefesh chayah. Nefesh Chaya, which is soul alive, a soul alive. So, you know, Nefesh is the Hebrew word that's regularly translated soul. In the Greek, uh, it's occasionally interrelated with the word suke. So they go together. Uh, We've talked before about suke also being translated as life, but a helpful tool if you really want to dig into it is to get a Septuagint copy of the Old Testament which is the Old Testament not in Hebrew but Greek. So a Septuagint uh, the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament scriptures was done about 150 years before Jesus was born. So it's a good way for scholars to understand what the ancient Hebrew scholars understood as a comparative word from Hebrew to Greek. So they would take Hebrew words, which we would have in the Masoretic uh, or the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they would translate those into Greek, which then obviously trickled down to the New Testament and all that. So it's a good way of comparing the two languages and getting a broader scope of meaning out of them. So nefesh, having said all that, is usually translated soul. So soul and then chaya, living. So a living soul. So let's understand this. The Lord God, so God himself, formed the man of the dust of the ground. So God took the dirt, he took the dust, he took substance, and then he imparted into it the breath uh, into his nostrils, the breath of life. So a breath was taken. That kind of, I don't know if you heard that, but that inhaling breath, um, Adam took the very first time. So uh, it says the man, literally in Hebrew, the Adam, it says. So Adam means man. It's one of the word, Hebrew words for man, as well as a couple others. But um, 
he took that breath. Now, in the Bible, uh, animals have a nefesh. They have a soul. It occasionally says that. So, but what's the difference between an animal soul and a, and a man's soul, a human soul, let's say? All humans on the earth. The difference is that explicitly we have here in this verse that God imparted the life to the man, to humans, okay? Now, I'm not saying that the animals have uh, not life. The life comes from God in them as well. But the scriptures give us a very clear understanding that it was a distinct act of God to breathe into, breathe life into humans. Now, let's at this point jump to Genesis one twenty-seven. So back one chapter. And when you get to verse 27, it says that God created man in his own image. So, so he was formed from the dirt. So that's why we have a body. But he was created in God's image. So God was constructing something. He was constructing a human. <clears throat> and so he, he formed the human from stuff, but he created it in his own image. So as we live our life and walk around, we have to consider on a general human scale, you know, across the board of all humanity, what are things that we all have in common that we find good or bad? Okay. We're made in God's image. There are things about us that are reflective of God himself. So for instance, laughter. I've traveled to a number of countries. I've been to Africa, Europe, uh, Asia, all over North America. There are similarities around the globe. And one of those is laughter. Another one is sadness. You know, emotions are consistent around the globe. There is not a human on earth that cries uh, or is sad or depressed when something funny happens, okay? They laugh. There's not a human on earth who gets angry when somebody does something that is funny, all right? So, no, I'm just using that. Now, there's going to be people out there who are going to nitpick that and go, I don't know, what if, you know. Uh, we can laugh about it later, whatever. But I'm just saying it in a very general sense. All right. Human emotion is something that is sort of universal across the board. All right. There's other concepts as well, like justice and mercy and uh, peace and joy. And there's these sort of unmaterial concepts, love, hatred. There's these sort of they're not, you can't put your finger on a thing and say, ah, this thing I hold in my hand is love. You can't do that. But all humans understand comfort. All humans understand um, the, the, the reality of being accepted in a loving body, like a family or something like that. There's a longing for it, okay? So these kind of things are implanted from God were made in his image. They are there for us. Now, we see little teeny tiny reflections of it in animals here and there because they also are created by God. But the whole fullest scope of it is only in humans. So, we're in his image, but there's a problem. Our image that we are in God of has been broken. And that's the whole idea of uh, chapter 3 of Genesis where it says that 
Now, let's not, don't get hung up on literal snake and blah, blah, blah. I'm just, the concepts of the passage of Genesis chapter 3 are very real concepts, okay? A deceiver came and beguiled the woman, and she ate of the tree because it says that she saw that the tree was good for food and it was desirable to make her wise, and she she bought into this lie that the that the serpent gave her, which was, you can be like God on your own terms, okay? Because the serpent actually says, if you eat of that, you'll be like God. Now, that's a true statement. But she knows for a fact, because she says it, that she's not allowed to eat off the tree. So that rebellion, uh, and then obviously the rebellion of the man as well with her, it says he took and also ate. The, The corporate rebellion that those two committed brought a shattering of the image of God that we were made in. So it's like a broken mirror, all right? If you've got a full-length mirror that you're standing in front of and you're looking at yourself, you're seeing a true reflection, a true image of who you are as a person, all right? So you can see your color of your hair and if it's curly, you can see if your necktie is on straight, you can see if your dress is uh, you know, balanced across you, you know, whatever. You can see if your clothes are a good color for your skin. You can see all these things. If you've got something in your teeth, whatever. Uh, but if you took a hammer and tapped on that mirror and shattered it, okay, you can still see yourself and you can still get all of the details that I just mentioned for the most part. Uh, but it's a broken image. All you know, like your forehead is a little out of out of sync with itself. Your glasses look like they're on crooked. Things like that. So. That's what we are as humans. We are broken images. There's still a reflection there, but it's not a perfect reflection. So when we talk about things like psychology, the study of the human soul, the study of the human experience, if you go with the standard method of, uh, you know, scientific method, so let's, let's have a base group. Let's take a hundred humans. Let's take a thousand humans. Let's take a sample group of five humans from uh, every country on earth. And we're gonna compare them to each other. And we're gonna watch them as babies grow up and then become adults and die. Okay, we're gonna watch them for their entire life. So you have these thousands of people, you're watching them and you're examining them. And then at the end of 80 years, you sit down and you say, right, this is normal human experience. I'm gonna tell you right now that any psychologist who does that is going to be wrong in what they are reporting. They may be observing accurately the human experience, the human condition, but they're gonna be wrong when they say that it is normal or normative. And here's the reason why. Because Genesis 1:27, God created them in his image, in the image of God he created male and female, he created them. And Genesis 2, 7, God formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Those two verses took place before the rebellion, before the man and the woman thought they could be like God on their own terms. Right? Do you follow me? So those two verses came before the fall. So... We have to look at humans in light of those two verses and in light of the person of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus walked upon this earth as a full and true reflection in the image of God. 
in man that God expects from us. He that was his intent. His intent was for us to live our life as Jesus lived his life. But we don't because we're broken images. And so you could take any group of humans you want and study them, you are only ever going to get a reflection of a broken image of God. You're only going to get broken humanity. And broken humanity can't fix itself. <laughs> it has to be fixed by somebody higher who understood what the original image looked like and that is God and that is presented to us in the scriptures in the person of Jesus Christ who can when we go to him impart his life his spirit to us to sanctify us into his own image okay does that make sense so the soul going back to this idea is made up, and this is the these are this is the my definition of a soul that I'm going to go with over the next several podcasts. Is made up of the mind, and the emotions, and the will. Okay, the soul is the mind, and the emotions, and the will. Those are the three components of the soul. Now let's not talk for a moment about the heart and how it interacts with these things, and we're not going to talk for a moment about the spirit and how the spirit also interacts. Those are for other discussions. But right now, we're just talking about the soul, mind, emotion, and will. And those three things uh, are each skewed and perverted because of the entrance of sin into our life. So we're not accurately, accurately reflecting God. So when you think about yourself, or when you think about your coworkers, when you think about your children, when you think about your spouse, when you think about anybody around you, what you have to consider is... Oh my goodness gracious, they are a broken image of God, and so am I. And so as a result, we're not going to see things as clearly as possible. Human psychology actually can't solve the problem. Because what often is told to us nowadays by human psychologists is that we need to learn to love ourselves. But God is a unique thinker in that his ways are higher than our ways. He designed us in the first place. He imparted into us uh, and made us a living soul. And so he actually knows how we tick and how we should function. And so we're to follow in the example of Jesus. So the reality is, is if we focus on ourselves, we actually become more miserable. If we try to love ourselves in the sense, and everybody does this. Everyone says, well, if I loving myself must mean that I should give myself the things that I like. So if I like sitting around playing video games, if I like eating my favorite food all the time, if I like indulging in this thing, that thing, or the other, then somehow I'm going to be loving myself and I should feel better about myself. But the fact is, is you'll actually become depressed and miserable if you go down that way. Because it's not, because God has designed us as humans to be the most content, not when we are pandering ourselves. And giving ourselves the most comfortable way of thinking or living that we can give ourselves, we're actually the most happy when we are looking out at others and seeking to make their life a better life. Okay? This is how it works. So, this is how Jesus operated. Jesus did, said, I did not come to be served, not even by himself. I came to serve, to look after others, to. Um, invest myself into other people's lives. You know, as a father of four kids, 
I get great pleasure and joy in seeing my children have those aha moments and seeing my children uh, laughing and seeing my children healthy, that kind of thing. And I, I f- go to work so I can pay the bills so I, and then I pr- to try to provide a home for my children to grow up and to be, um, you know, in, a, in an environment where they can grow into their healthiest state, okay? I'm not doing that directly for my own benefit, but I'm benefiting from it. And boy, it is a great joy to see it happening before your very eyes, that your children are growing up uh, to be well-rounded, balanced, healthy human beings. Does that make sense? So, I'm, I mean, from a purely economic level, I could say, and I've said this to my older children, it's like, oh, if I want to be really self-centered, I can just keep all the money for myself and let you guys sit in a cold house and eat cornflakes all day long, and I'll just go out to restaurants all the time. You know, but that's cruel and mean. I'm not going to do that. So, but it's, it's, I say that to them as an illustration of saying, don't be self-centered. Don't just be saying, well, I washed the dishes yesterday, so now it's their turn to wash the dishes or whatever the case happens to be. We're all about looking out for other people and serving. So we're broken images. We have to reflect God's image to find a wholeness within ourselves. If you give up your suke, if you give up your life, you will gain it. That's what Jesus taught, and that's what he lived out. So as as the human... Jesus was 100% God. Think about his life that he lived and what he gave up. So the Bible says he divested himself. He emptied himself of his glory as God. He was still God, but he emptied himself and, and took on the form of a man. So Jesus was fully human. Even though his origins were from God, he let those go. And he walked and lived as such a servant-hearted life, always listening to the Spirit of God, always seeking God's good pleasure, that it actually drove him to his ultimate death. And I know that's a, a major thing to say, but that's exactly what happened. But in that death, God was able to take what Jesus offered and turned it around, and he conquered death on the cross, is what he did. So the lowest humility, which is what Jesus walked in, the, 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 the greatest serving, the most unself-centeredness that a human could possibly live in is what Jesus did. And as a result, it brought about the greatest benefit to the whole of the human race. So the soul of Jesus actually was magnified, is able to be, is, well, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we are to magnify him. Anyway, this could be something that we can talk about again in the future, but that's that's the idea behind the soul. It's almost getting me excited, but I'm running out of time. So God bless you. Please focus uh, your reading on Genesis 1.27 and Genesis 2.7 and consider these passages in the Gospels that talk about giving up our life. That is where true, fulfilling life comes from. So God bless you, and we'll see you next time in our adventures in the human soul. for taking the time to listen to our podcast if you are challenged and encouraged by what you heard today please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like you're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com that's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com and remember to leave a comment at itunes spotify or anywhere that you listen to podcasts